didn't want to leave you guys with nothing to listen to or watch in this case, you know, since we are kind of leaving a month between season two and season three. So what better time to release a bonus episode than Christmas Eve, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a gift to everyone. (gasps) We're the Santa of podcasts. Yeah. No? No. Maybe. Not no, Santa. No. Santa might be a criminal. He does a lot of beanie. That's very true. Yeah. That's very true. Uh-huh. But before we begin, hi, hi. We hope that you have had a happy Hanukkah, are having a wonderful Yuletide, or have had a wonderful Yuletide, or winter solstice, or whatever the uh, holiday is called. I apologize. I don't know names for stuff. <laughs> and we want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy Kwanzaa. And no matter what you celebrate this time of year, we hope that you have a safe and joy-filled holiday. And even though it is a holiday, wear a mask. Just please wear a mask. Don't don't do anything irrational or erratic. And don't go killing people. Unless you're trying to eat. Not eat people. That came out the wrong time. Yeah, we're not Jeffrey Dahmer. No. That's next season. I mean, we're not Jeffrey Dahmer. We're also not covering Jeffrey Dahmer till next season. That made more sense. But I mean, if you do have to eat you know definitely you got to definitely take that mask off yeah, like please please don't cut a hole in your mask okay, well, that seems to, kind to of eat like it defeats the purpose of the mask also uh please for the love of god do not cut and i'm only bringing this up because i saw this on tiktok oh no do not take your dog out for a walk and use your mask to pick up their poop wait what and uh, yeah. You know what? No, we're not. We're not getting into that. We'll talk about that after the show. Oh my god! Uh, but welcome back. And if you're here for the first time, welcome to Crime and Theory, a podcast dedicated to everything outside the parameters of normal. We are your hosts, Ashley and Aaron. Hi. We are now on video. How fun is that? For those of you hey. who've been following along since season one, hi. So it's cold outside. Obviously, very cold. I mean. I- we're recording this before Christmas, also obviously, but right now they're calling for a little bit of snow on Christmas Day where we live, so that's weird, and that means that it's cold outside, so. Especially, like, because we live in North Carolina. Oh yeah, we do. December is not the time for us to be getting snow. No. Usually February. Yeah. Sometimes March. Not really March. Usually February. But they're, they're calling for it. We'll see. We'll either we'll get snow see. or a whole bunch of icy rain. Ah, I'm dreaming of a muddy Christmas. <laughs> but we we dressed up. We got a little bit festive with a nice sweater, nice button up. So that's, that's fun. But anyway, go ahead and grab your coziest of blankets, your fuzziest of socks, your warmest, because you don't want it too hot because it'll burn your mouth, cocoa or coffee or, you know, your favorite holiday spirit if you will i don't know what you do with your life i don't know kind of regretting not putting on warm fuzzy socks right now they're actually very chilly Um, one step ahead bam (laughs) fuzzy socks deal with it i did not mean to stick my foot (laughs) but i had no room it's fine everything's fine but uh go ahead and grab your stuff and come on back we'll wait yeah how long should we wait you're not even wearing a watch it's not even a good well, okay, well, it's it's a mole past the hair. I think we've given them long enough. I guess because I'm so pale that 
mine was always a freckle past a hair, but that's mm -hmm. cool. Or a hair past a freckle? I don't know. I don't know. We're delaying. We're, we're digressing. Is digressing the right word? I think so. Yeah. If you're new here, hi, I can't English to save my life. It's my <laughs> only language too. Go figure. How did I ever communicate with any other human? Can you tell this is our first time recording in front of a camera? Not true. We also have another channel called Crit Keepers where we record playing completely different people than who we actually are in real life. And that's why this is so scary because we have to be ourselves. Okay, so you're back already, right? Yeah. Y'all yeah. are back. I'm back. You never went anywhere. Did but I you were back, correct? Correct, dear listener or viewer. This feels weird. feels weird to have two different platforms that I'm working on at the same time, you know? But either way, it was super fast. Thank you. Thank you for being so quick. And we left off with the paranormal at the end of season two. Mm -hmm. So, of course, it feels right to do something true crime related. Yeah. For Christmas. Because who doesn't love death and destruction at Christmas time? Maybe some decapitation. No, I was going to say that, but no, not in this case. No. No. It's, it's bad enough. I don't know why I just stuttered. I'm sorry. It's that bad. <laughs> it's pretty bad. I'm not going to joke about it. Sorry I laughed. It's just uncomfortable. And also, if you are not new here, you know that I like to do a lot of cases that aren't solved. Today is not that case. It's solved. Oh, good. Yeah. So no frustration or stress in our world today. So we're sticking to our home state, and we are going back to Christmas Day of 1929 when Charlie Lawson slaughtered his entire, well, almost entire family here in North Carolina. And also, trigger warning, this episode contains murder, obviously, suicide, and talk of incest. Oh. Let's get started. Sources for today are murderpedia.org, unilad.co.uk, stokesnews.com, just news.com.au, greensboro.com, and Wikipedia for something not exactly pertinent to this case, so I figured it was okay to use. Yeah. Okay, so actually starting a little bit further back than 1929, let's do a little bit of backstory here. Because every murder needs one of those. Sure. That actually makes sense, because you want to understand where your killer's coming from, yeah. kind of, sort of, maybe. Although this doesn't exactly help that. Charles Davis Lawson was born on May 10th, 1886, to Augustus and Nancy Lawson in the community known as Lawsonville, what a coincidence, which is located 10 miles from the Stokes County seat of Danbury. In 1911, he married a woman named Fanny Manring, and the pair went on to have eight kids together. Good lord. Hey, hey. Naimi Mall is one of nine. But still. That's a lot of kids, but they had a lot of kids back then. No judgment. There were people that worked the land a lot and stuff, and they kind of needed the help, to be yeah. honest. Not that having children isn't a blessing. It is. I'm just saying that people were fruitful and multiplied a lot more because they had to tend their land and stuff, too. They, they needed more hands on deck. Sure. Or in this case, the farm. In 1918, Charlie moved to the Germantown area following his younger brothers, Marion and Elijah. And Charles and Fanny's third child, William, was born in 1914, and in 1920, he wound up passing away from some illness that I couldn't find out what it was. But the rest of their children were born 
healthy and I would say happy, but you'll later find out that that's probably not the case. The Lawsons worked as sharecroppers, which if you don't know what that is, they're tenant farmers. Basically, the person who's a sharecropper would give a portion of each crop yielded as their rent. Okay, so instead of month, like hardcore, not hardcore. No, hardcore, hardcore. <laughs> instead of hard cash, cash money. Cold hard cash. Yeah, cold hard cash. That's what I'm trying to figure out what to say. Phrasing. They would just be like. Here's the crops. They would, And they would turn a profit off those yeah, crops. Like here's and some, that's how they make Here's it. some wheat. Right. And because they were bringing in all of those extra crops from all of those people tending that big plot of land, the owners of that land would turn around and sell those crops and make even more money than the sharecroppers. Make sense? Yeah. Okay. But the Lawsons saved their cash until 1927 when they were able to buy their own farm on Brook Cove Road. And from my understanding, the people of the community actually seemed to really respect Charlie. Nothing fishy. Yet. But the operative word is yet. So time passes and the family is doing its farming thing. And two weeks before Christmas in 1929, Charles does something really unusual. Okay. Unusual for the family and at the time. He tells his wife, get the little ones ready. He tells his older kids to get ready. They're going on a trip. He's going to buy them all a brand new outfit, and they're going to have a good, proper family photograph taken in Winston-Salem. Now, is that unusual? Yeah, that's the unusual part. They were relatively poor, and people who were of the lower class couldn't afford to go get family photos taken. And to buy all new outfits for everyone in the family. Back in that day, people, if they ripped their clothes, they would mend their clothes. They wouldn't just go buy a whole new outfit. Right, right. They would... Put patches on their clothes or just kind of live with the holes? Or, no, they would sew them up. They were very... Uh, the clothes were very well taken care of and they were very well mended. Right. Because, you know, they didn't just have disposable income. So, Charlie, age 43. Fanny, age 37. Marie, age 17. Arthur, age 16. Carrie, age 12. Maybell, age 7. James, age 4. Raymond, age 2. And Mary Lou, age 4 months... Do just that. And for some families, you know, they they could go and get a photo taken and it all was well. But this was a huge deal to the family. Right. Now, the, the, I, the first two that you just listed off, that's the... Fanny hu- and Charlie are the mother and father. Okay. Why were their ages again? Because that sounded like a pretty big... 43 and 37, and their oldest was 17. So, so Fanny was 20 when she had her first child. So, no, so dad's 43, mm-hmm. and the wife is... 37. They're only six years apart. Okay. That's... Okay. I I don't know why I thought that was a... There was a huger gap. No. Although, it wouldn't have been that unusual given the day. Hmm. Christmas Eve rolls around, and Charles goes to the bank. And you think, oh, that's so nice. He's going to go to the bank. He's going to like give a little bit of cash to his family. And they're going to have a little bit of spending money because maybe Charlie came into some cash, right? Yeah. No. He withdrew everything from the bank and closed out his account, basically. And That's later, not suspicious at all. Oh, no, not at all. And it was later found to be about $60 that he withdrew, which is not a lot by today's money. But also not a lot by today's money. It equivalates... Equivalent? It's the equivalent of about $900 in 2020. 
Wow. Which, I mean, don't get me wrong, that's rent and some bills, but... Yeah. It wasn't a lot considering that it was such a big family. And then the fateful day came. On December 25th, 1929, it was recorded as being bitterly cold, with somewhere between six to eight inches of snow on the ground. Dear Lord. I don't know that we've ever seen a half a foot of snow. No. Climate change is real. If if we had that much snow, our poor little dog would disappear. Oh, he's into not it. that short. He is so little. He's though. really little. We have a pug, in case you didn't know. He's so small and stocky. Now, one source says that one source, her name's Trudy Smith. She says that Marie woke up early on Christmas Day to bake a cake. But another source, Deborah Hampton Michael, says, quote, My grandmother and Fanny baked the raisin cake on Christmas Eve, end quote. So Deborah's grandmother and Fanny were really good friends. But regardless, there apparently was a cake baked, and it wasn't really relative to the case itself, but... But there was cake. There was cake. And later, it was on display. I'll explain. Arthur, the 16-year-old, he went into town to buy some ammunition for rabbit hunting. Some sources said that he was running errands for his dad, at his dad's request, obviously. Some say that he was merely granted permission when he asked his dad. And one source said Arthur even went with a friend. But again, either way, Arthur is off the property at the time of these events. Okay. He's gone. Okay? And he's safe. Just spoiler. Not really a spoiler. It's a real case. It's not a story here. He's safe. Carrie and Maybell, they bundled up and they headed out to go visit their aunt and uncle for part of the day. And there was no way they could have known that their father was lying in wait behind the tobacco barn. When they were finally in range, he fired off his shotgun at both girls. Then, just to make sure they were dead, he bludgeoned them. He moved both of their bodies into the barn, crossed their arms over their chests, and laid rocks under their heads as makeshift pillows. Oh my god. Tell me about it. And as to why nobody in the family seemed to become alarmed at the sounds of gunshots, well, it was because it was a popular pastime to hunt rabbit in the area. And that sound was actually quite familiar, so nobody thought to raise the alarm. But unfortunately, this also gave Charlie an advantage because nobody in the family saw it coming soon enough. Charlie returned to their home where Fanny was out on the porch. I don't know if she was sitting or if she had come out to see what was going on or what, but he shot her next. His own wife, the mother of his children. Marie, who was inside with the three smallest, screamed in response to the shot. Natural, normal, makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. James and Raymond, the two smallest boys, they tried to run and hide. Charlie made his way into the home and shot Marie next, only to chase down his sons. And the boys weren't quick enough. Their dad caught up to them and bludgeoned them both to death. I'm assuming with the shotgun. I'm assuming, I don't really know with what. But that would make the most sense, because he already had it on hand. My God. Yeah, this case is really stressful, but I, I gave you guys the trigger warning, so don't blame me. And lastly was the baby, Mary Lou. Oh, no. Yeah. And it's believed she was also bludgeoned to death from the fracture in her skull on her autopsy report. She was four months old. Her first Christmas was her last. Mm. He placed pillows under their heads and all of their arms were crossed as well. 
to my understanding. With almost all of the family dead, Charlie headed into the woods with the family's dogs, Sam and Queen. He would carry two shotguns and the money he had withdrawn from the bank and two notes scrawled on tobacco auction receipts. He stopped to wash the blood off his hands in a creek and paced a circle around a tree for probably quite some time, probably even hours, because of the depth of the footprints left in the area. Right. And I'm not actually 100% sure as to who found the Lawson's bodies, the ones in the house anyway. One source said that Arthur found them. Another said family coming to wish them a Merry Christmas found them. But people had already arrived on the property, including police, when the final shot rang out. Charlie had propped himself against a tree and used a forked stick to pull the trigger. Jesus. A police officer who was with Arthur, because Arthur had returned to the homestead by that point, he found Charlie's body. And the money left in his pockets wound up being used to help cover funeral costs for the family. And the notes in his pockets read, quote, trouble can cause, dot, 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 or ellipses, end quote, and nobody to blame, end quote, quote, end quote, sorry. And it's never been determined as to what these notes mean. Yeah, that's like the most vaguest. Most vague. Yeah, most vague explanation of why you would kill your family and then take your own life. Yeah. my The nobody to blame thing is what gets me, I think. What do you mean there's nobody to blame? You are literally the one to blame here. Yeah. But okay. But nobody to blame for what is the real question. Like, is he referring to nobody to blame for these murders? Nobody to blame for whatever caused him to kill the family? I, I don't know. Like, there there, there has to be some kind of why. Yeah. Like, what possessed this man to blow away and bludgeon his family? I don't know. That's a really good question. The snow made the hill that led to the the family's cabin really hard to trek. So friends, family, and deputies alike had to transport the bodies down the hill by wrapping the Lawsons in borrowed sheets and sending them down on makeshift sleds, or a makeshift sled, to the hearses that were parked at the main road. They were then transported to Walnut Cove Funeral Home, where it was determined that the funeral home did not have the necessary space or equipment to perform autopsies and the embalming in a timely Mm. manner. So they took the bodies of the family yet again, and they transported all of them to Yelton's on Murphy Street in Madison. (sighs) This case is stressing me out. Can you tell? (laughs) (laughs) Dr. C.J. Helsebeck was the Stokes County coroner who was in charge of the autopsies. Luckily for him, Dr. Spotswood Taylor, who was the brother of the Stokes County Sheriff John Taylor, was in town for the holiday season from Baltimore, where he worked at Johns Hopkins Medical Center as an intern. So he was able to actually help with the inquests and whatnot until the early hours of the morning with Dr. Helsebeck. So Dr. Helsebeck was able to kind of double up the speed on how fast all of this got done. Right, right. The two of them removed Charlie's brain during autopsy, which they later put in a jar of formaldehyde to be transported back to Baltimore. But their findings noted that his brain was actually on the small side and even a portion of the center of his brain 
seem to be underdeveloped. Now, I'm no brain scientist, but... <laughs> a, a neurologist? Yeah, brain scientist. But would... Neuroscientist? Yeah, brain engineers. Okay. Yes, a brain engineer. Thank you. But would that have anything to do with his compulsion to just randomly kill his family? Like, does that do anything? I don't know. Because here's the thing. This murder was exceptionally calculated. You can't tell me that it's because his brain was underdeveloped. He had time to think about this. He went to the bank. He took his family to have their photo taken as a final hoorah, I guess. Right. So I don't think the fact that his brain was underdeveloped in any area had anything to do with it. But I'm not an expert. I don't know. Also, if you want to see the photo and you're listening, go to our YouTube channel or go to our Instagram page and we'll have the photo. We already have the photo up on our Instagram page. Also, as a side note, the uh, whereabouts of Charlie's brain is currently unknown. How? How do you lose a brain? Yeah. Nobody finds it and gets real suspicious of it. Or maybe somebody did find it and was like, hey, look, a brain. I'm going to take that home and keep it in a jar on, on my shelf because why not? Yeah. I, I mean, truth be told, I I wouldn't just take a random brain home. But if I had the option to have a brain in my house, I'd probably do it, to be honest. Sorry. But a good brain. Yeah, a good brain. Yeah. Don't know what kind of brain is a good brain, but a good brain. Sure. Yeah. Maybe not one of a family annihilator. Uh. And also, fun fact, the funeral parlor is now Madison Dry Goods, which now uses the top floor as a museum that includes rooms and memorabilia from the mortuary service. So if you're ever in that neck of the woods of North Carolina, go visit them. I believe it's actually free to go in and walk around. Really? I believe so. So, I mean, once COVID dies down, if you want, if you're in the area and you want to take a day trip, that's kind of fun. Yeah. To be a little bit morbid sometimes. Clearly, we're morbid. I'm not judging. Now, I'm, I'm trying to make sure I've got a, a good timeline going on here in uh-huh. my, my brain noggin. Your brain noodle? Yeah. Okay. So, did they actually get a family photo before? Yes, they got the family photo done two weeks before the murder. And I will reference the photo in actually a couple minutes when I get to it. Because if you look at it... There might be a telling detail as to why these murders took place. Really? Yes. The funeral supposedly had thousands of people in attendance, including the press, and it was the largest event in the county until more recent times. That's pretty sad when your biggest thing that your county has to offer is a funeral. That is pretty sad. Like, does your town not have... Parades? I mean, it, it was 1929. It was the Great Depression, so uh, probably not. Yeah. Yeah, probably not. Definitely not a lot to no. celebrate. No. It was a very sad year. But what about weddings? I mean, wouldn't that be like a bigger to-do? People didn't really have big to-dos of weddings. They just kind of did them. Hmm. It wasn't like a royal event or anything. Right, right. And not long after the events that transpired... Transpired? People began to sneak onto the property for souvenirs and morbid entertainment. Because they wanted to see the site of the family murder. That's when the cake that either Marie or Fanny and her friend baked 
Yeah. People would like take raisins off of the cake just to have a little souvenir of that murder. Is that a bananas? It's terrible. What? Why would you do that? That's so disrespectful. Yeah. But instead of getting mad about it, remember Charlie had two brothers, Marion and Elijah. Well, Marion decided that he was going to take advantage of people sneaking onto the property and he was going to open his home up to the public for a nominal fee. He gave tours of the murder house. And of course it was met with some criticism, but Marion defended his decision stating that the money would help Arthur settle the farm's mortgage. Now, is that what has led it to become a place where people like nowadays can check it out? Oh no, you can't go check out the murder site nowadays. It's okay. the funeral it's the mortuary service that you can go check out. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, the I don't even think the home is standing anymore. Oh. And of course people were talking. I mean, a guy doesn't just get up and slaughter his whole family for no good reason on a holiday, right? Or I, any given day for that matter. I would surely hope not. I mean, it's not normal. Hmm. But there was one rumor that he hadn't killed his family or himself at all. So there's this rumor, right? That he saw some kind of crime committed by an organized crime syndicate who took them all out mafia style and the killings were staged. See? Okay. I, I felt like it needed to be said like that. I'm sorry. If that were the case, uh-huh. wouldn't wouldn't they have kept up with how many family members there were? I mean, probably. So probably. they, they so would So Arthur should have been a logical <laughs> victim in all of this. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, even the cops determined that this rumor and the facts of the case did not line up at all. They merged down two completely different paths. Right. And another reason could have been that, well, they were in the beginning of the Great Depression because it started in August of the same year. They were four months deep in the Great Depression. And that was problematic enough on top of it being a dry season and crops weren't really yielding anything. So Charlie could have very well been feeling a lot of pressure to pay off his mortgage, even though he wasn't bringing in the money that it, that he needed to pay off his mortgage. Okay, that that's right, because and now for his family. he has his own farm. He's not... He's not a sharecropper. Yeah, he's not a sharecropper yeah. anymore. Real quick, I just want to interject. If you're on YouTube right now, look how cute this mug is. <laughs> it's got a little Mothman on it. <laughs> Don't judge me. I'm so happy about it. It is really adorable. I know. They're happy little Mothman. Can't be mad about that. But I think that the theory that people really ran with and even today stick to is probably, honestly, the most logical theory because there are many witnesses to back this up. Not really witnesses, but people who are around at the time that could corroborate this theory. Right. And it looks like the most legit But that is the incest theory. Incest. Yes. As in keeping it in the family and not, in this case, even consensually. Yeah. Here's the story. In 1990, there was a book called White Christmas, Bloody Christmas, which sounds like a 1980s horror film. Feels like a spinoff of Silent Night, Deadly Night, and I'm here for it. Yeah, I was about to say, that sounds like a very cheesy... Like a B-movie? Yeah. B-horror? And this book got released. And the authors M. Bruce Jones and Trudy J. Smith interviewed people for the book. And some of those people recalled rumors involving Charlie violating his oldest daughter. 
I'm using Ooh. the word violating because I don't want to get flagged by YouTube. Yeah. I just want to make that very clear. We all know the right word. Hmm. Yeah. And when they were still writing the book back in 1989, the authors received a phone call from a woman who opted to remain anonymous. And this woman said that she had actually gone on one of the tours that were led through the house. And the person giving the tour at the time, I don't know if it was Marion or if he had hired someone, but they talked about the incest rumor as an absolute fact. Like it was something everybody knew. And the day before the book was even released, they received yet another phone call from a woman named Stella Lawson. Lawson. Another Lawson. The family. She was actually a cousin of the Lawson children. And she had already been interviewed for this book. But she confided in the authors that she had overheard Fanny's sisters-in-law and aunts at the funeral on December 27th, 1929, talking about how Fanny confided in them that she was really concerned about Charlie and Marie. And she had been concerned for a while. Also, let's note that this funeral took place on December 27th, two days after the murder. How, how do you get nine people? Fu- nine people in two days when nowadays it takes like a, a, a week? It doesn't. It doesn't take a week. Usually funerals are held three days after the death. Only three. It's only a day difference. Also... You could push to have it done the next day if you really wanted to. And Trudy J. Smith also wrote another book called The Meaning of Our Tears, which is about the exact same case. And in this book, even more evidence came to light. Marie had a close friend named Ella May. And Ella May claimed that when she had seen Marie only a couple of weeks before Christmas, so probably around the time that the photo was taken, Marie confessed to being pregnant with the baby that was Charlie's. Say what? Now, the thing is, Marie was also dating a boy named Charlie, but everyone close to the case said that the child was her father's. And Ella May also said that Charlie and Fanny, which was Marie's mom and dad, they knew about Marie being pregnant. Oh, God. That's worse. Yeah. And I can kind of understand that maybe Fanny didn't know what to do or how to stop it. But at the same time... I kind of judge people who don't protect their children a little bit, you know? Yeah. And the Charlie that Marie was dating was actually Deborah Hampton Michael. Remember I mentioned her grandma being best friends with Fanny? That Deborah Hampton Michael's great uncle. That was the Charlie that Marie was actually dating. And while Deborah says that even though she believes that Trudy got a lot wrong in her books, the one thing that she does believe is correct is the incest motive. And she says, quote, I talked to my grandmother about it when I was an adult. And we both agreed that Marie is obviously pregnant in the famous family photo. Now, you guys can judge for yourselves. You can judge for yourself in the photo. But I can't really tell. Right. However, if Deborah's grandma was Fanny's best friend, she would have seen Marie on a regular basis. And she would have known what her body looked like in her regular clothing. So I'm pretty sure she would have noticed the difference in her belly. Especially with how... I mean, I don't know how much time passed like you don't know how pregnant she was right now in the family she's the family photo she's not like bulging or anything but if you knew someone and knew their regular body type you would notice a slight increase in the swell of their stomach you know right anyway the quote continues my first thought was that it was charlie wade's baby that was her great uncle but i asked my grandmother directly if charlie wade was the father and she said quote unquote absolutely not 
She said it was Marie's daddy's baby, and my grandfather, Hillary Hampton, was quoted in the newspaper that the reason for the murder was a family matter that he refused to comment about. End quote. Sounds like a cover-up to me. I mean, I know a lot of stuff back then people thought, well, we can't talk about that sort of stuff. That's private. That's fi-. If it's bad, if it's, I don't know, incest and human violation, I don't think that should be kept quiet. I think it should be reported. Yeah. I mean, no judgment to this person's family or anything. I just, from here on out, let's be better, people. Just be better. You see something, say something. It's, I know it's easier said than done, but please still say something. Especially if it's a child getting... Impregnated by their father. Yeah. Against their will at that. Yeah. It's bad either way. You'll look at it, but it's even worse when that child is a child and it's against her will. But Mr. Hampton was the one who found Carrie and Maybell in the tobacco barn. He was the one who found Charlie's first victims. Mm. That's why I said I don't know who found the rest, the family in their main home, but he was the one who found the two in the tobacco barn. Okay. And he actually assisted in the search for Charlie that day. Quote, they tracked him until close to sunset and then heard the blast of the gun because he was not far away. End quote. I mean, back to the family photo thing. Again, I think that it's kind of easy to convince yourself that she does look pregnant. The style of the dress does not help in any way because it's the 1920s and things were very straight in the cut of cloth. Right. With how clothes were made back then for the fashion. But if you look at it right, she looks pregnant, but you can also convince yourself that she doesn't. But again, I'm going to trust somebody who actually knew her personally and said, hey, she definitely looks pregnant. But before the murders, Charlie was reported as having acted erratically. And there are stories of him injuring himself with a matic to the head. What's a matic? I was getting ready to tell you. If you don't know what a matic is, that is the farming tool that kind of looks like a pickaxe. I think it's used to break up soil, but I'm not 100% sure. But ow. Even if he wasn't hit with the sharp end, ow. Did he deliberately swing that out of his forehead? No, no, no. He, it, he didn't hurt himself. It. I, it I, he didn't injure himself like that. I think he okay. just... Maybe it fell off of a hook or something. Or maybe he had it hanging from a nail on the wall. Yeah. And it fell something. Maybe bumped into it and it fell off, hit him in the head. I don't know. I don't know how things happen in the world. I don't leave the house. (laughs) You're asking the wrong person. (laughs) But it never said that he intentionally did it, is my point. But his behaviors were indicative of possible brain injury or mental illness. So even if he hadn't hurt himself he could have still suffered from mental illness. And with it being 1929, nobody addressed that stuff back then. Now, with... Because I'm trying to remember, you had said that there was a part of his brain that was... Underdeveloped. Underdeveloped. Yes. Would that be a cause of his... Mental illness? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what part of the brain does what. Okay. So I can't really say, oh, that's the portion that controls your nerve endings. That's the portion that controls your breathing and blinking. I I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I'm just wondering. I'm uneducated. Can you tell? If those two might correlate. I mean, they very well could correlate. I can't tell you, though, because I don't have a doctorate. Right. You're also not a 
brain engineer. Right. I am not a brain engineer. Should we make a t-shirt with that? Yes. Okay. Just checking. We are not brain engineers. (laughs) Deal with it. He supposedly spoke to his doctor of severe headaches and insomnia as well. And of course, those two things could be a side effect of mental illness in and of itself. I wouldn't know. I'm not going to hide my mental illness, you know? It's 2020. Yeah. But the sadness doesn't end there, unfortunately. Remember, there was one remaining member of the family, Arthur, who was 16 at the time. That's a very crucial age for, for a person. And he suffered a lot mentally and emotionally, correct? Understandably so. He right. Pretty much lost his entire family. Yes. I would imagine he... He lost pro- his entire immediate family anyway. Yeah. Yep. I would imagine he lost his the, his home. Well, remember, Marion actually opened the house up to tourists so Arthur could pay the mortgage. Okay. Remember. But at some point, Arthur did wind up getting married, and he and his wife had four kids together. Uh-huh. But unfortunately, because of all Arthur had gone through, and of course, we didn't address mental illness back in the day... Arthur found his solution at the bottom of a bottle. Mmm. Which is tragic in and of itself, mind you. Yeah. Because his life was taken over with alcoholism. And I'm not fond of excuses, you know, but I just... I can see why this happened. But unfortunately, Arthur wound up dying in an auto accident at the age of 32, and he did lose the farm. Wow. Not at the same time, obviously. Right, right, right. Just one thing after another for this dude. Yeah. And, I mean, some of it came on by his own hand, unfortunately. But he had a tragic life. And he died at 32. That is not old. Unless you want to call yourself old, sir. Yeah, I was about to say, (laughs) if you're looking at me and thinking I'm old, then... Then maybe. I mean, that is pretty sad to think of, I mean, really anybody my age and younger... Or older. Or older. I mean, yeah, de- any anybody, really. Even peaceful death in your bed at the age of 992 is sad. Yeah. Uh, just the thought of someone my, like someone exactly my age right. dying, and I s- still feel like, you know, I've got so much more life, life left in you. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, he left his four kids and his wife behind, and... We don't know what happened to her story after that. I don't know. It's just sad. And if Marie was suffering at the hands of her father and the family knew about it and did nothing. And if you look at the photo, she's looking directly at the camera. The whole family's kind of looking directly at the camera, except for Charlie. He's looking off to the side and he looks exceptionally smug. Like he knows what he's going to do and he's proud of it. That's what's so haunting about that photo. And Marie... Again, everyone's looking at the camera, but the way Maria's looking at the camera, she looks ticked and defiant. So you know that even if he wasn't violating his daughter, which sounds like he was, something was definitely up there. Between husband and wife. Or between father and daughter. Yeah, yeah. Because Marie's the daughter. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's so many names. (laughs) There are a lot of names. I'm sorry. But the three main names you need to remember are Charlie... Fanny, who is the mom. Okay, Fanny's and, the mom. Yeah, and okay. Marie, who is the Marie's oldest. Marie's the oldest, okay. Yes. 
So Marie is looking pretty grumps. Oh, she looks miffed. And then Charlie, the father, mm-hmm. is looking... Kind of smug and proud of what he's about to do. I mean, I don't know what was going through his head during that famous photo, but from my perspective, he looks smug. That is all I have to give you on the case and you, dear listener slash viewer. I don't know how to respond to this anymore. What have I done with my life? Made a great decision. That's what I've done. And I'm just going to add to the sadness a little bit more before we go. Okay. Okay. All right. Even though there were eight, no, nine bodies. Yeah. Nine bodies. Okay. Because one lived. I'm sorry. No, I was wrong. There were not eight children. There were seven children. Okay. Seven children. I apologize. I got that wrong. But there were eight graves, obviously, because Charlie also killed himself. And even though there were eight bodies to bury, there were only seven caskets. And this is the most heartbreaking thing, I think, of the whole story. And I I don't know why. To me, it's the most heartbreaking thing. Because the baby was buried in her mom's arms in the same coffin. I know. That's so sad. I know. Oh, that's so sad. But to lighten the mood, it is alleged that John Dillinger himself made a stop for a tour of the murder scene. And if you don't know who that is, John Dillinger was a famous gangster during the Great Depression. And he led the famous Dillinger gang who was accused of robbing 24 banks and four police stations. You think maybe that might be where they... Probably not, the... because this was well after. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, his his stop there was actually during one of his two jailbreaks <laughs> while he was on his way to Florida. <laughs> Fun fact. And I know that this one's a little bit shorter than the episodes we've been throwing at you guys lately. But again, this is a special. This isn't a full-fledged episode. Although episode. it might wind up being just the normal episode length. What do I know? I know nothing about time, apparently. It's fine. Time means nothing. It's a construct that man made. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally, humans made time. Think about it. Really think about it. But we will uh, let you get back to your Hallmark movies and extra warm mugs of hot cocoa and such. Because, you know, you need a little bit of Christmas cheering up after this. Erin, anything else you want to say? Um, let's see. My nose itches. Sorry, your nose itches. Well, uh, if you want to go check us out on YouTube... And if you and yeah, and if you I'm are in, the mics for this one, if you are in, enjoying our first uh, YouTube video of our faces on there, and it's gonna get better. Don't worry. Yeah, this um, is just kind of a test run. Yeah, yeah. like you know, subscribe and help us out. Hit that notification bell so yeah. you know when we're gonna be pumping out some new. Content. Content, yeah. That way you know as soon as it drops, which should be every Thursday starting January 7th. And... And if you want to see our faces more... Head over to Crit Keepers. Yeah. We already have that channel linked in this channel right here. Yeah, so go check that out too. Yeah. And we also have merch. You know, if you want to go purchase something and support us because we're sad people and we need a little bit of cheering up. And why not? You know, just... 
Why not? Yeah. I need love in my life. Show me you love me with this act of service. It's an act of service? I don't know anymore. I've lost my marbles and it is getting late. I'm just saying. Someone out there would love a nice crime and theory t-shirt under under the Christmas tree. It's already Christmas. It's not going to be there in time. Yeah. Next Christmas. Yeah, next Christmas. Mm-hmm. So you know, just, like you know, just stuff. wrap it up and hold it sure. for next Christmas, or oh. just like a a, a, a gift a, to yourself. Yeah. Christmas hey. money, right? What if you get Christmas money? There Perfect place to spend it. It's on Teespring, and our link is also here on our channel. There you go. There we go. Sorry, to keep interrupting you. Oh no, you're good. But if that's everything you have to say, Aaron. Yeah. Everybody have a safe holiday and happy new year also. Let's get through the rest of 2020 and many, many years to come as part of this world of weird we are building. And as always, Aaron, you want to say it? Don't get haunted. We'll see you guys January 7th.